Well, I didn't expect to be sharing more resignation news today, but unfortunately I must. I have notified the president of Canada Soccer that I've decided to resign from my role of director, which I was elected to in May 2023, with immediate effect. When I put my name forward to run for a seat on the Canada Soccer Board of Directors, I had a lot of ideas of what I could contribute to the organization and the sport. I have been genuinely inspired by CONCACAF's football first ethos, which guides everything the Confederation does from an operations and governance standpoint, and I sincerely wanted that philosophy to guide Canada soccer as well. If you know anything about me, you know how passionate I am about Canada soccer, and especially our national teams. The opportunity to serve the CSA and the sports and the sport as a director, especially when the 2026 FIFA World Cup coming to Canada felt like such an exciting opportunity at a pivotal time. Sadly, for a multitude of reasons, it became apparent that football does not come first at Canada soccer these days. I found it exceedingly difficult to contribute in a manner that I found meaningful, impactful, and in service of the sport and those who play the game. Unfortunately, when a situation isn't a good fit, it is better to move on. Canada soccer is in trouble. Big, big trouble. Prepare for a soccer coaching revolution. Come with me on a journey to discover the latest methods, techniques, and tactics that will transform you into a more effective coach, player, or soccer parent. Whether you're a seasoned coach or a beginner, growth never stops. I'm Sagev Rabinovich, and this is Soccer Coaching Mastermind. I definitely want to talk about that announcement, but that announcement we'll talk about a little bit later. I'll start out by talking about our games this weekend, and then I really want to focus on what we've been focusing on for the past while, which is getting the wingers open. And I'll talk a lot about that. I'll also share um, a session that I'm working on to really get the players to understand that concept of when to get open, how to get open, and those meaningful situations in a situation game that we've talked about before with the Barcelona methodology uh, as a kind of guiding way to train moving forward for our players. But let's first start out with talking about the weekend. It seems that other than our 2012 team, most of the our teams are half teams. So what does that mean? And I talked about this in our Zoom call yesterday. But when we look at first half, second half, our teams aren't consistent. They're not consistently playing well they're not consistently playing poorly for a full game it's by halves so some some games they'll play very good in the first half then poorly in the second half sometimes it'll be the opposite and that could be for a multiple multitude of reasons um one we don't play with a lot of subs so we're very tired but i don't like that excuse right like our players should not be tired we do a lot of 1v1s they should be in really good shape but for me, it's the concentration. To have players concentrate and play your way for 
the whole game is very difficult, especially because our oldest teams are U14, right? So we're talking about nine-year-olds to 14-year-olds and to help to keep them making the right decision for a full game. It's just very difficult. So um, those are some of the challenges that we're facing. Uh, but, you know, I think that's really your role as a coach for 90 minutes to make sure that the players are playing your way. And your way could be anything, right? If you're a coach that really loves that 1v1 battle and you want your players, whenever they get that ball, to go 1v1, that's what your players should be doing for those 90 minutes, right? Because that is your philosophy. That is the way you want to play. If you're a coach that just wants to play pass, 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 one touch, two touch, you know, that's your right. You know, you're the coach. But whatever it is that you're doing, your players should be doing that for 90 minutes. And for us, I think it's been very difficult because we ask our players to do so much that they have to be mentally engaged the whole game, right? So I think that's kind of been the difficult part. Now, 2015, exactly that. They are probably the most consistent, inconsistent team that we have. It's always a tale of two halves with them. Uh, One half great, one half poor. And I think that's also because of our goalkeeper situation. When we have a good goalkeeper, then we do really well. And then when we don't have a player that is comfortable in goal, then we suffer. Now, that might be very obvious, but it's not just about the defensive side of it. It's not just about the goalkeeper saving shots. It's also, it creates comfort within the defenders to reset the ball. And as a result, when we don't have a player that's comfortable in goal, the defense is not comfortable resetting, which creates mistakes, right? So that's kind of been a big part uh, of that 2015. 2014 team, probably one of the most consistent teams um, this weekend was a really unique case. We didn't have any subs. Uh, and then by the end of the game, we had three players with stomach aches that couldn't play. So we were playing seven against four um, and seven against five for that majority of the game. So uh, we were in it. And then, uh, but honestly, I could tell right away that there was something wrong with one of our players. Uh, He's our center mid. And uh, I, right away, I I spoke to the other coach. I went, you know, something's wrong with him. He's not playing his way. Um, There was just something going on. And then by the end, he was off stomach ache and he was sick all week. So that made sense. And then we tried moving players around, didn't work. Uh, But what's really frustrating was we played a team called Azuri. And uh, they've consistently, you know, sportsmanship has been an issue. Uh, I'll give you an example of what happened. So, um, you know, one of the situations that happened in the game, one of their players passed back to the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper picks it up. I yell at the ref, play on, play on. You know, I I don't want the kid to feel bad. And then if you turn it around the other way, right, two of our players come off and they're playing 7v5, right, without taking players off or without, you know. So, uh, you know, coaches are coaches. I can't control the other team. It is what it is. Uh, It's just frustrating to be playing against teams that don't have the same values as you. But again, it's their right. You know, they don't have to take players off. They don't have to play for development. They don't have to do all those things, right? So really up to them. Anyway, uh, that was frustrating. 
Uh, and then came the 2012 game. The 2012 game are the most consistent team that we have. And that makes sense. Those are players, and I've talked about this before, I've had since they were super little. And the players that we've added have really complemented the team. So uh, they just find a way. They just find a way to perform. Uh, even if it's not their best game, they find a way to fight and and really compete so that they just don't lose this team. Uh, we were down 1-0. Uh, then we came back, tied it. Then we were down 2-1 with about two minutes left. And then for the last two minutes, it was just it was just such a Manchester City type performance. And what I mean by that is it was just in their half when we were attacking final third, moving the ball, really trying to figure it out. Um, we ended up having one possession that wasn't really good in that final minute. Uh, got it to their goalkeeper. Goalkeeper kicked it long, which for us is fine because now uh, the low block that the other team had is now opened up. So now our goalkeeper has it. We got a one defender, defense to defense, defense to center mid. Center mid finds the forward, forward scores with about 20 seconds left, uh, and then we just tie the game. So this team just consistently finds a way. Um, then our 2010 team, uh, 2010 team had three 2010s missing, and we replaced them with 2011. So uh, what was interesting is that our 2011s are probably the team that's most consistent with possession. So the possession stat was high. But that was it. Uh, we couldn't really finish. We couldn't score. So we ended up, uh, we were down 1-0 at the end of the first half. And then just like what I've talked about, the inconsistency, second half, the other team just kind of blew us away with four goals. So, um, But with that 2010 team, we're consistently competing, right? It's just the ability to score. I think that's, uh, that's been trouble for that 2010 team. Now, if you've come from Coaching Soccer Weekly, the old podcast I used to do, then you know my views on Canada soccer. And what's really cool is that I actually have proof that I talked about it because I recorded it, right? So um, talking about, you know, the the Women's World Cup, talking about some of the latest uh, news in the men's game and in the women's game with payment and stuff like that. I just really haven't been impressed with Canada soccer. And I've never had any proof. I want to be super clear. I have never, ever had any proof. This is just as a soccer coach, as someone who's in the soccer industry, this is just my analysis of what I see, right? So up until this past week, all I could go on was the fact that I've seen them play. I know what Canada soccer should look like. And now watching how this team plays, I could tell that there were some things going on, right? You can just tell when a team isn't being themselves, just like I could with the 2014s, right? Right away, I could tell. And it's that same feeling with the women's and the men's team now. It's an identity crisis, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, I don't know Bev, the women's coach. I don't. Uh, I know of players that played for her. Um and it really makes sense that tactically we're not competing at the highest level, right? Um, and I don't know the men's coach, so I can't, you know, uh, and I haven't really watched them play since he's taken over. So, and the question is, you know, for, from the women's point of view, what's going on, right? 
what's going on? Because it's not the players. It can't be the players because the players are playing in some of the best teams in the world. Same with the men, right? You can't blame the players who are playing for the best teams in the world. And consistently, when they're playing for their teams, they're doing great things. They're winning trophies. Uh, you know, they're getting goals. They're, you know, defenders are some of the best defenders in the world, in my opinion. Something's going on. And up until this past week, I just didn't have any proof. And now I do. And it was really interesting what I read before, which was uh, uh, Dino, who was, uh, who was acting as the director of Canada Soccer, right? So uh, as I mentioned, he got appointed 2023 in May. So very recently, and I remember you know, him kind of getting in there. I don't know Dino. I don't know anything about him. The people I've spoken to about him um, say he's a really good guy. He, you know, he really cares. He, he's really trying to, you know, do the right things. For him to come out and say something like that, and I want to read to you just the most important part of that. It became apparent that football doesn't come first at Canada soccer these days. And it's not just Canada soccer, it's Ontario soccer. And we talked about before, and this is, I think, the same problem in the U.S. as well, is the fact that the leagues that are created are just not soccer-based, right? It's not, it's not about your performance as a team. If you win every single game, you can still be stuck in the same level, and that's not okay. If you win and you're the best in a specific region, you should be able to move up in a promotion relegation type, and it shouldn't be a standard-based approach, and that's what it is. But now everything makes sense. Someone who has been sitting in the meetings with Canada Soccer, and a really brave, by the way, very brave um, message that he sent out, you know, to, to say, listen, Canada Soccer doesn't care about the soccer anymore right and we also saw this with the women we, you know the the payment right that they're not paying the women enough so it's very much becoming a very very bad situation for Canada soccer um, and there were moments I think uh, when that whole payment with the women thing that it started to become embarrassing to be associated with a federation like that and now with this coming out um, I think there's going to be a lot of people that want to leave a lot of clubs, a lot of academies that are like, okay, I, I've had enough. Uh, there's no real pathway to develop players. Um, there just isn't, um, you know, can talk about OPDL, which is kind of the, in league one and the Canadian premier league as kind of those, but those are all buy-in leagues again, right? It's especially the OPDL league, which is supposed to be a youth, uh, league for player for the best players but teams are charging five thousand dollars for it right so how are you getting the best players when we know historically the best players in history have grown up not in wealthy areas so they can't afford five thousand dollars you know for a summer right so it doesn't it doesn't make sense um but i really want to let you know that uh i know a lot of you i i, I know i have canada listeners so definitely there. I know majority of us, not us, majority of the listeners are from the US. But this isn't a Canada problem. 
This is a North American problem. And we see this with U.S. soccer. Now, don't get me wrong. U.S. soccer is much better than Canada soccer. They're also much richer than Canada soccer. With money comes the ability to do certain things, right? So it's tough to say. Um, but Canada's going down this road. Uh, and before Canada soccer was, I think, almost bankrupt, uh, I see that happening. Um, you know, I, I mean, I'll call it now. Uh, I mean, they'll, they'll get buyouts and, 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 you know, they'll get funding from the government to rescue them and all that. But I think that danger, they're, they're going to they're gonna get almost to the bankruptcy part. But just because U.S., you know, soccer is rich, people are going to get fed up and there are going to be things that are going to start to pop up. So uh, just keep your ear to the ground and uh, make sure that wherever you are in the world, whether you're, you know, in, in, in Canada, I know I've got some German listeners and some English listeners. You know, think about your FA and uh, start following people in the FA, you know, on their Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever, you know, like start understanding what's going on so that you can prepare for what's going to happen, whatever that is, um, whether it's good or bad. That way you'll kind of be the first to know about it. Uh, and then you'll be kind of the first one that can react to it. So I really want to talk about the wingers getting open. This has kind of been a theme that we've been working on for the past couple of weeks now. Trying to get the wingers open so that we can build out of the back faster. But more importantly, what we want to do is before it was getting the ball from the defenders to the wingers. That was really important. But that's not good enough anymore. Right, building out of the back and just considering success, you know, wingers touching the ball or winger, wingers controlling it. We want success to be the wingers able to receive the ball in space to attack forward. To me, that's success. So we have to create space not only for the wingers to receive the ball, but for the wingers to receive the ball and take that first touch forward because that is the secret, right? We want we want to go forward. We don't just want to keep playing back and switching. No, we want to score a goal. That's what we want. And we've been able to get really, really good at moving the ball in the back, right? In the back, I'm talking about defenders and goalkeepers. So in all of our teams, again, except for maybe that 2015 team, we can do that really well, especially our 2012s especially our 2014s, our goalkeepers, fantastic in the back there. Um, and then our 2010 goal, uh, 2010 team is pretty good at it too. Uh, in our 2011, their possession stats are just off the charts. But possession for the sake of possession is not what we're looking at. So we need to figure out how do we get the wingers the ball so that they have space to move forward. And the secret to that was something that I saw in the game this past weekend with Manchester City, the game that I watched. And I just want to go over it as much as I can. And we'll talk about some different terms as well, uh, which I've mentioned before. But I'll update that uh, as well so you can kind of figure that out. Uh, and then we can go from there. Now, if this is confusing for you, which makes sense because I may not be great at explaining it, um, 
but I'll do my best. You can go on to our YouTube. I did a full one hour-ish um, Zoom session last night where we went over this stuff. Um, and, and I gave examples in the games for our players. Uh, so just look up Gladiator Soccer Academy. It's going to come out. It's already out by the time you're listening. So uh, Gladiator Soccer Academy and just look for the newest video. It'll have our Zoom session there so you can look at it. Um, and, and hopefully this will make more sense, but at least now you'll get, uh, exposed to it. So there are three terms that you need to know to be successful here. One is weak side, one is strong side, and then one is half space. And I guess you can also argue wide space. So four terms that you need to know. So let's go over it. Okay. Okay. Weak side and strong side, what are they? Strong side is the side of the field that the ball is on, okay? So if we split the field, right, there are two ways that we can split the field. We can split it horizontally or vertically. We're talking about splitting it vertically. So if I split the field in half from one goal to the other goal, then I've got two sides, left and right. So whatever side the ball is on, that is the strong side. Whatever side the ball is not on is the weak side. And then we also, we're just talking vertically today. We're not talking about horizontally. So we're not talking about final third, middle third, and um, the first third. We're talking about the spaces going the other way. Now, that is split into wide space, half space, center space. Okay, and you do that on both sides. So the wide space is from the sideline to the 18-yard box. That's the wide space. From the 18-yard box to the and the 6-yard box. Also, fun fact, 18-yard box because it's vertically 18 yards away. Six, right? So um, you go vertically 18 yards and then six yards is the same thing. So it's, so 18 yard is the bigger box. Six yards is a smaller box. Six yards. You take that step from the end line, from the goal line up vertically, right? So everything we're talking about is vertical, right? So just fun fact anyway. Um, so, uh, half space is then from 18 to six and then the six to the center, uh, to the half, um, is the center space and we do that on both sides right so uh that's what you have you have the wide half and center okay let's talk 7v7 and this is applicable in every age group 7v7 is just really easy it has all the positions right defense midfielders and forward um and its simplest form so that's why i always kind of talk that um so uh balls with the goalkeeper Goalkeeper passes the ball to the defender. Doesn't matter which side. That defender has the ball. And that defender is now strong side with the ball. The wingers, now we have two wingers. We have a winger in the strong side, winger on the weak side. We have a defender on the weak side, a defender on the strong side. And then we have the uh, center midfield. Uh, For me, the center midfield stays in the center space, but in the strong side center space. And same with the uh, uh, forward. The forward, I would even argue, could go into the half space, creating a diamond. Anyway, that's not for today. Now, 
the wingers are hugging the line. So what does hugging the line mean? Hugging the line means that they are so close to the end line, to the to the out, that they can give it a big hug, right? So that's what I always start at six years old. You should be you know, hugging the line, not six, but seven years old or even eight. From there, we talk about supporting, right? Supporting is a north to south movement. What we haven't done with our wingers is an east to west movement. And that's really important. Because if you're moving north to south and you are being marked by the player, there's only two situations that you're going to face. If you go north towards your goal and the defender follows you, then so that's a supporting run going north. Then you've opened the space behind and then you can go behind that player. You receive that ball with that player on the north side of you that was defending you. Now, the other option, if you're supporting, is that the player that's marking you does not come with you. That way you receive the ball and that player is south of you, right? But when it comes to east or west, there's no spaces that you're talking about in a supporting run. So we want to change that. And that right there is the secret. When the defender on the strong side has the ball, the winger on the weak side comes into the half space. And when they do that, what they are doing is they are attracting and dragging the weak side opposing winger with them. And they've now opened from east, sorry, from, yeah, from east to west. They've opened up that half space. That half space is now completely open, so no one is there. As the ball is traveling now from the weak side defender to the strong side defender, and that can be done through the goalkeeper, um, which it should be done through the goalkeeper in your half, and then once you're in their half, it should be done to a supporting defender. But let's talk about in our half because we're building up. As that ball goes weak side to strong side, sorry, strong side uh, defender goes back to the goalkeeper and then it goes over to the weak side. As it's traveling to the weak side, that is when my winger now hugs the line again. They travel west, okay? And now what we've done is we've created space from east to west in that half space. And if that winger comes with us, then now what we've done is we've attracted them so that pass can go through the half space for us to receive that ball behind them. And not only did we receive the ball behind them, but we've now received that ball in the half space. So we're closer to the goal and we're also closer to a cutback as well, right? Now, I would say that that run is more in, while we're in the other team's half that's kind of like a manchester city run in the final third that's something you should do the other run that we can do is we can combine the two runs now so what we've had was a north to south run with our supporting run and then now we're adding an east to west run so now we're not just going one way but we're going two ways so we can start right as that balls with the goalkeeper in the half space and now as the defender has the ball, as sorry, as the ball goes from the goalkeeper to the defender, we go and hug the line. 
If the defender doesn't come with us, then it's a great easy pass to that player with the first touch that beats the defender. And that's what we want. We've created so much space so we can attack forward. The other option is that the defender comes with us. And then now we add, once we're on the hugging the line, we add a supporting run. Now, the defender comes with us once, great. If the defender comes with us twice, okay, first of all, great defending. But then now we can go back and now we've beaten them with that, uh, with that uh, south to, sorry, north to south run, right? So from the, from our end to the opponent's end, okay? So it's really interesting now because now we're combining these runs and now the defensive team has to be very alert. And I would argue, especially at the younger ages, that it's very difficult for a player to do that against, to mark, right? So this is what we're gonna be working on this week is when the goalkeeper has it, we're actually gonna put, the wingers in the half space, which is something I never thought I would do because I always thought when the goalkeeper has it, let's get as super big as possible. But this is now something interesting. And then as that ball is traveling, that's when we pop open into the into the wide space, right? So really interesting there. So now let's create a situation game, okay? Now, I've talked about this at length. But essentially, a situation game is a specific situation that we want to recreate in the game. And we're going to do it in a small-sided game, Rondo type. Okay, So what does that look like? Well, the players that are going to be the focus here are going to be the wingers. And as a result of that, we're going to make sure that they're going 1v1. Okay? Players are going 1v1 on the wings, okay? And this is all done in our half, okay? So we're, we're doing this in our half, and the game is going to be an end zone game, okay? So uh, I'll talk about the goals in a little bit. You know what? Let's do it now. Um, no, I'll talk about it at the end. So the wingers are 1v1 on the sides, and we are playing goalkeeper, two defenders, and then we're also playing with our wingers. That's our attacking team. The defensive team are made up of three players, two wingers and one forward, okay? That's the opposing team. And the forward is pressing our defenders and our goalkeeper because that's what we see in the game, okay? We play against a 2-3-1 every time, pretty much. I'm Very rarely, actually with our 2012s, it was a little different. They were pressing with two forwards, I would say, or a winger that became a forward. So really interesting there. 2012 team that we played but anyway um so we're going in groups of four here we have a 3v1 with our goalkeeper all around that kind of 18 yard box and then we've got a 2v2 battle with the wingers okay and the goalkeeper and the two defenders they're playing a regular 3v1 Right, So it's a regular type Rondo game where if one player turns it over, then they switch. You could put a restriction in that the goalkeeper doesn't switch just to get the reps in for the goalkeeper, but you don't have to. And then the wingers are playing 1v1 on each side. So theoretically, 
if we were to do the numbers the right way to name this session, it would be a 2v2 on the wings. And then I would say plus a 3v1. That's how I would call this because I don't think there's an actual name. It wouldn't be a 2v2 plus 3 because that's not it. It's not a 3v3 plus... uh, Yeah, because there is no 3v3, right? So it would be a 2v2 plus a 3v1. That's what I would call it. Now, half is the target. So if half is the target, success is everything that happens after half. So if we can get the ball past half, I don't care how we do it, then that is success. So because that is success, it's not a shooting game. There's no goals. It has to be a touchdown type game or an end zone game, which is what we call it. An end zone, just like in football, the ability to get the ball into that zone is success. And we want to have possession under that zone. Whether the winger receives the ball in space, then attacks and dribbles, that's success. Whether the winger goes 1v1, that's success. Whether the winger gets a through ball from the defender, that's success. All these situations are success. Okay. Now, we can change this up once they get really good at getting the wingers the ball. That's really what I want. Then we can also add a 3v3 component where we now add a center midfielder into this game. And now it becomes a 3v3 plus a 3v1. And you could even start with this if you think this makes it easier for your players. I don't want that because I want the focus to be from weak side. I want the winger to go into the half space. That's what I want. Okay, that to me is exactly what I want. Sorry, let me go back to the rules here. So we'll play. Um, I just want to make sure you understand the rules here. I'm doing this on uh, one of my things right now so that I can give you colors and everything uh, and it makes sense. Okay, so let's talk about rotations and everything that you need to know for this session. So we have four different colors here. We have a yellow team. We have a red team, we have a black team, and we have a white team. The yellow team is the goalkeeper and the two defenders. The white team is the forward that's pressing the defenders and the goalkeeper. That's a 3v1. That player can be holding a penny. Okay. Now, on the sides, it's red against black. Two wingers, 1v1. If we start out with red ball and black wins it, black gets the ball back and resets to yellow, and then now it's their ball, okay? And that's how we change possession. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, Now let's talk about how rotation works. Um, You've got four players, defenders, goalie, and then uh, their forward, and then you've got 1v1 on each of the sides. So when one team gets to X amount of touchdowns, then you simply flip them. So the players that were playing 1v1 
on the wide spaces, they go in and they create the four for the defenders, goalkeeper, and the attacker. And then those guys, the goalkeeper, the defenders, and the forward, uh, they go and you split them up into groups of two, right? So you've got eight groups of eight. And if you have an extra two players, um, then you can put in two center midfielders. You can also add forwards, maybe do like a 4v4. But at that point, I don't know. Anyway, um, you can play around with it <laughs> as much as you want. Uh, but that's it. Um, so we're going to run that on Wednesdays and Fridays because that is when we do our team training. Tuesday, as you know, we do our 1v1 training. This week, sorry, this month, we are working on scissors. And then at the end, we're going to be adding in our double scissors. So uh, that's really the plan for this week. Now, just a reminder that VO is coming out with the VO3. Um, if you do want to register, and I think you should for that launch, uh, it's February 22nd. All the information is in the show notes. Uh, so feel free to look that up and get your VO3. I'm really excited for it. Uh, they created something else on the VO, uh, which is new. I'm not sure how to use it yet, but this is what I'm talking about, right? Like the fact that they're just consistently getting stuff. So here's what they did. You can now there's, there's a place where you can actually have the VO figure out which player is which number. And then I think they can follow that specific number and give you specific stats for, I don't know, but it looks cool. I just have to figure out how to use it. Um, but I just saw it just came up and I go on it every week. So it's something brand new, but again, they're constantly just coming up with stuff. So this VO three should be insane. And if you've haven't jumped on the wagon yet, this is a good time to do it. This is a good time to get a VO because now there's a VO three coming, right? So if you were like, well, I don't know about the VO two, get the VO three, right? Like the, it, it just gets better and better. So Code's in the show notes. Everything is in there. Uh, hopefully, uh, you'll be there on, I think it's February 22nd, where they're doing the launch and everything. They'll go through everything. So super excited for that. But until next week, enjoy the journey, enjoy the moments, but most importantly, enjoy the game.